As we open God's Word, let's thank the Lord for Christian again. I love his passion and, and uh, his commitment to Christ. Thank the Lord for him. As we think about this message this morning, I'm thankful for church. The church has been a major, major part of my life for, for decades. I grew up in Peters Creek Baptist Church. It was a small rural church in Kentucky. Our pastor was bivocational, and the church had a major influence in my life. And the pastor and I had a disagreement, and the disagreement was about not my call to ministry, but it was about preparation. Uh, the pastor, but also the church, didn't believe in formal education, and so they didn't really support my seminary degrees and those type things as a result of that. I only got to preach in my home church that I was born and grew up in only one time in my pastoral ministry. I'm not mad about that. I'm not hurt about that. I love the pastor. I love the church. I thank the Lord for them. That was just their theological conviction about that. But Peters Creek Baptist Church, and then we went to Calvary Baptist Church after that. That was a church that God used in our lives to help give me a heart and passion for missions. Had a very mission-minded pastor, and then I came on staff with him, and he became my Apostle Paul in life and ministry. And then uh, we were able to do mission trips literally around the world, and God used that church to, to shape us in many ways to who we are to this very day. And then God called us from there to Northside Baptist Church in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, a church that was struggling, a church that was very small at the time, but God blessed that church with growth and health to become a very effective church in the Kentucky Baptist Convention. And I thank the Lord for the people of Northside. God used them again to teach us many things about serving and pastoring and just following the leadership of Christ. And then from there, we left Northside and went to First Baptist Church Cold Spring in northern Kentucky, right outside of Cincinnati. It was a church that was wounded. If you go to churches, and you'll see sometimes they have major wounds in the church. For example, if you take a piece of paper and cut your finger, that, that'll heal pretty quick. It'll be sore, but, but it'll heal pretty fast. But if you've got an open wound, that's another issue. And First Baptist Church Cold Spring had an open wound as a church. And we walked with them for many, many years to see God heal them. And then I had the opportunity to recommend their pastor, whom is still there today. And I appreciate his pastoral ministry to that church. And then from there, God called us to Florida, to Tallahassee, Florida, to Bradfordville. And it was a church where, again, we were able to see significant kingdom growth in the fellowship of that church. And I just sent them a message this morning because their pastor search committee is meeting with a prospective candidate out of state today. And so I just encourage them to praying for them. And I pray if this is God's man that you guys are going to know that. He and his family are going to know that. And the Lord's going to continue to lead that search process forward. And then we come to First Baptist Church, Clarksville. And we thank the Lord for you. We thank the Lord for the history of this church. We thank the Lord for the, what he's doing and has done in the past and what he's doing in the present, what he's going to do in the future. Yesterday, Angel and I had the opportunity of coming up to the facility here and just walking around the concourse. And as we were walking around the concourse, we just had the opportunity to pray for you as a church. As we got over here, we prayed for the military ministry and we prayed for, uh, our, again, our brother and sister in Christ who's serving. Uh, we came around to the tree about the Holy Land and we prayed for the people of Israel and we prayed for what God is doing there and hostages being released. 
We came to the tree where people have been baptized this year and we rejoiced seeing the many ornaments on the tree where people have followed Christ to surrender their lives to him but be baptized in obedience to him. And we prayed with thanksgiving, but we also prayed, Lord, let us see more people come to Christ and more people following you in believer's baptism. And as we walked around the concourse, we prayed for connect groups, we prayed for the worship team, we prayed for staff, we prayed for people who volunteer and serve. We just walked around thanking the Lord for the ministry of the local church. Here's what I know. The local church is, is not perfect. As you look in the New Testament, you see many churches. Jesus knew the church had issues, but he still called the church his bride and his body. And here's what I would encourage us. Even though at times we may have issues, there may be things going on in the midst that we're trying to work through. I would encourage you, make sure you love the Lord's church, his body, his bride. Don't criticize his bride and don't walk away or leave his bride. Be faithful to the Lord, but also be faithful to the Lord's church. When I was in seminary, I heard this a lot, and I probably even said it a lot, to say it would be a joy of mine to be able to pastor a New Testament church. And that's a great statement. It's theologically accurate, but what does it mean to say I want to pastor a New Testament church? Then you have to come and say, well, which one? Do well, you want the church in Corinth? Do you want the church in Thessalonica, the church in Ephesus? What about one of the seven churches in Revelation? Which one, which one do you want to do? Because when you look at the early church in God's word, what do you see? You see oftentimes moral failure. Uh, oftentimes you see theological division. You see relational cliques. You see divisive fellowship in the ministry of those churches. But again, the Lord loved his church he loved his bride he loved his body and i encourage us to do the same thing but i am thankful to pastor a church that has convictions like the early church as we see in the book of acts and other churches as well why am i thankful for the church i want you to write these five words down why am i thankful for the church number one because of the purpose of the church the purpose of the church, he's given us a great commission that we are to make disciples of all nations. We're to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We're to teach them everything that he observes and he promised that he would be with us to the very end of the age. He has given the church the great commission. Understand, he's not given the great commission to schools. He's not given the great commission to corporate America. He's given the great commission to the church. He's given us the divine purpose. And may you and I never walk away from the purpose that Jesus has for us as a church. We must make sure that we keep the main thing, the main thing, and that is seeing men and women, boys and girls, come to faith in Christ, follow him in believer's baptism, and set on the road to discipleship to be everything that Jesus wants them to be. He's given us a purpose, and that's the Great Commission. Second word is people. Why am I thankful for the church? I'm thankful for people. Now, you have to realize, I say this a lot to you, but the, but the church is not these buildings. Yes, we have a grace building, a hope building, and a faith building, but the church is not any of these buildings. You and I, the ecclesia, the called out ones, you and I are the church. We're the ones that he gave his life for. We're the ones he shed his blood for. We're the ones who have been born again, who have been called out. You and I are the people of God. We are family, brothers and sisters in Christ. And First Baptist Clarksville, I have no hesitation to say to you how much Angie and I love you and we thank God for you. And so we, we're thankful for the church because of you, because of people. 
Third word is platform. I'm thankful for the local church because of the platform, not because of this platform. I'm thankful because when the Lord saved you and me, he saved us and left us here. And not only did he save us and leave us here, but he saved us and left us here and he's gifted us with his Holy Spirit. If you know what your gifts are, I pray you're using those gifts to bring glory to God and to edify his church. If you don't know what your gifts are, if you will talk to us, we would love to help you discover what your spiritual gift or gifts are so that you can serve Jesus the way he wants you to serve him. And so when he saved us and left us here, he's given us a platform, he's gifted us that we can serve him and make him known. Again, the goal of the spiritual gifts is not to bring the attention to you or me. The goal of spiritual gifts is to bring glory to almighty God and to bring strength and growth to his church. He's given us a platform. Number four, partnerships. He's given us partnerships. We're not simply solo in ministry here. We're partners together with like-minded brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not in competition with other churches. Other pastors are not a threat to us. We are co-labors together in Christ. We're partners together, reaching our city, reaching our state, reaching our nation, and reaching nations around the world. We are better together as brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm thankful for the church. Why? Because of partnerships. That we get to join hands together with people who sometimes are very different than us. But we agree about the word of God and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we agree about what he wants to do and his purpose for us. And we have partnerships so that we can get the gospel to the ends of the earth. Word number five is progress. I'm thankful for the church's progress. First Baptist, when I look at you and I look at us together, I look and I see growth in the fellowship of the church. When I look around, I see spiritual growth. I can look at many of you and see where your life is changing for the glory of God. He's growing you. He's stretching you. He's using you. When I look around our church, I see financial growth. When I think about, again, the 2024 operating budget, I look back at 2023, you and I will never outgive God. Be faithful to do what God's asked us to do, even when it comes to tithes and offerings. Because when I look at this church, I see financial growth in the fellowship of our church. We're giving faithful in obedience to Christ. And then when I look at our church, I see numerical growth. I see more people here, more people in connect groups, more people in preschool and kids and student ministries, more people in music ministry, more people walking the concourse, more people in the hallways, more people in the worship center. When I look back, again, it's hard to believe three years have passed since I became your pastor. But when I look at, based on what happened this morning with our baptisms, in three years in this church, the Lord has given increase to this church and make sure, again, the focus is on the increases from the Lord. The Lord has given increase in this church by 473 new members in this church in the last three years. And those are individuals who follow the Lord in a statement of faith or transferring their membership. But almost half of those individuals came because they had surrendered their lives to Christ and followed him in believer's baptism. 473 new additions to our church family. 
you see the progress of the church. And when I look at our church again, we're making progress. Why? We're pushing back darkness. We're pushing back lostness in our city, but also the nations around the world. We're commissioning people almost every Sunday in our church to go and be on mission for Jesus somewhere around the world. Progress. Why am I thankful for the church? I've given you five reasons that I thank God for the local church. I've been in churches again that had just minor cuts and serious open wounds. But I'm grateful to see the healer, the Lord Jesus Christ, do an incredible work in the fellowship of those churches to bring healing, unity, but also purpose and direction and to see spiritual progress for his glory and the health of his church. Only the Lord could do that. Now we come to... 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, I want us to think about, I'm thankful for a church and want to give you some insights here. Look at number one, give thanks, and the word is when. Uh, you and I ask a lot of when questions. I know there are people who say, when am I ever going to get married? When, when are we ever going to have a baby? When should I retire? When would Georgia ever lose a football game? <laughs> you just don't know. Uh, when would Kentucky beat Louisville? Well, yesterday, by the way, just... Put that out there. I'll say, when did Tennessee beat Vanderbilt? I'll just say that. That was yesterday as well. That didn't get near the applause I thought that it might. But there you go. Yeah, that's good. But we ask a lot of when questions. But I want to ask you a spiritual question based on Paul's word here in Second Thessalonians. When should you and I give thanks for the church? Here's what the word of God says. Here's what Paul says. We ought, and here's the word, I've even got it circled in my Bible. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers. When? Always. That's when you do it. You always give thanks for the Lord's people. You always give thanks for the Lord's church. Let me give you these two words right under there because when I see what Paul says, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers. Two words come to my attention. One is conviction. I think Paul was always giving thanks for the Lord's church and his people because he was a convicted man. You and I need to live life with convictions. What are your convictions about the Lord Jesus? What are your convictions about the Bible? What are your convictions about life, the sanctity of life? What are your convictions about marriage? What are your convictions about the family? What are your convictions about the church? What are your convictions about right or wrong? The Bible has absolute truths. We need convictions in the Christian life. And one of the things I'd say would be wise, and we're doing this, and I thank God for staff and other volunteers. We need to be investing in preschoolers and kids and students, helping them learn that you can go through life with God-honoring biblical convictions in life. You don't have to be mad about it. I mean, you don't have to drink, bring attention to yourself, but you can live life with convictions about Jesus, about the Word of God, about life, about marriage, about family, about what is right or wrong. You can live life with convictions and honor Him and live a life that makes a difference for Jesus. We need more young people in our day who are willing to draw a line in the sand and say, because of Jesus and the word of God and my relationship with him and biblical convictions, I will not step across that line. It's wise to teach that generation to do that. And so I believe when you look at this text here, when it comes to when do you give thanks, I think Paul had a conviction. I'm going to do this always. It's not just once a year. It's not just once a week. I'm always going to give thanks for the church. I think we ought to do the same. Number two is priority. 
I think it was a priority for the Apostle Paul that he would give thanks for God's people. And if I ask you today, what are your priorities in life? What would you say? I hope you'd say the top priority of your life is what? Jesus. And then you can go from there, family and marriage and church and other things that you look at. But Paul had the priority. We ought always to give thanks to God for your brothers. It was a priority for him. So when you look at your life, what are your priorities? It would be a great exercise between now and the end of 2023 that you write down what your priorities are. And, and, And again, they may be right in line with God's word, but if they're not, ask the Lord to change your priorities, that you go into a new year with the right priorities where Jesus, your marriage, your family, the church, other things after that, but make sure you have the right priorities. When you have the right convictions and you have the right priorities, here's what happens. When you pray for the church, what do you do? You give thanks to God for the church. When you're in conversation with people out in the public, what do you do? You give thanks to God for the church. And when you gather with God's people on Sundays and Wednesdays and other times together, we don't criticize the church. What do we do? We give thanks to God for the church. Why? Because we are convicted and that is a priority for us because we ought always to give thanks to God for his people. So give thanks when? Always. Number two, give thanks. Why? But why do we give thanks? We ask a lot of why questions again as well. Why does it seem like every time I turn around, another storm or adversity comes into my life? Why don't I ever get any breaks? Why did I not get the promotion It went to somebody else? I mean, why do we always seem to never have enough money to do the things that we want to do in life? We just ask why questions all the time. But why do we give thanks for the church? Why do we give thanks for God's people? Again, not bricks and mortar, but why do we give thanks for the church, the people of God? And Paul gives us those. Number one is growth. He says, we ought always give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right. And here's what he said. One, because your faith is growing abundantly. I love what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, because he was writing to this church. He loved them dearly. He was thanking the Lord for them. He was thankful for growth in their midst. And what was the growth? It was growth in their faith in him, walking by faith, not by sight. You go to a pastor's conference and you get in a room with a group of pastors. You know what we're often talking about? And this is, this is convicting to me. Many ways we're talking about not so much people's faith, but we're talking about how many bodies were in the pews or in the seats. What's the size of your budget? Is it higher this year than last year? Is it growing? Tell me about how many buildings you have on your campus. What is it like? We're talking about bodies and buildings and budgets. Second Thessalonians, Paul thanking the Lord for the church. He didn't mention really any of those things. He said, I want to thank the Lord that your faith is growing abundantly. Let me ask us as a church. As the people of God, when you think about what we do as a church, are we, is our faith in him growing abundantly? Meaning, Lord, we're going to walk by faith and not by sight. And Lord, if you don't show up and if you don't show out, we are not going to be able to do this. We need to make sure we're living in such a way that we absolutely 110% depend on the power and the goodness of God to do what we're going to do. That way when something happens and moves, we say it wasn't us. It was the goodness and the glory of God that made that happen. 
Why? Because we're walking by faith. God, we trust you. We're, we're dependent upon you. We're going to walk by faith. We're not going to figure this out on our own, but God, we're going to sit back and watch you work. We're going to depend on you and we're going to rely upon you. And God, we're growing in our faith. Paul was thankful for this church because he saw them growing in their relationship to Christ. I could give you names that when I look at kids and, and even students in our ministry, when I was even around some of them today, I can just see the growth of Christ in their midst. When I look at that generation, I'm encouraged because I believe there are some in that generation God's going to use in great ways, and God's going to call some in that generation out to be servants of his literally around the world. And so we look around and we see growth in the lives of people. You're living by faith and not by sight. Second word is love. When you look at this, he says, I'm thankful that your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. This morning when I asked you to welcome and greet one another, I saw several of you. You said hi to each other, shook hands with one another, but several of you went up and gave each other an embrace that was not just a casual embrace, but it was a powerful embrace of love to one another. It was so moving to stand here to be able to see you love one another and greet one another that way because love is powerful. What does Paul say? I'm thankful your faith is growing abundantly, but I'm thankful your love for one another is increasing as well. I was in a retreat two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago now, with Bob Russell. Bob pastored Southeast Christian Church in Louisville for 40 years. And when Bob went there as a pastor, they were running 130 people. We could have put them in the front sections right here. When Bob retired 40 years later, they were running 23,000 people on Sundays, on the weekends. That's pretty significant growth. And, and, and Bob's been retired a few years, but we were over at Southeast Christian the other day meeting with some of their leadership. And this weekend, again, it may not be this weekend, holiday travel, but may, pretty much on average on a weekend, they're running 36,000 people on a weekend now. And here's what Bob would say. Bob would say, and here's what he discovered. He's written in the book. He talks about it a lot. I've even quoted to you, but Bob would say, when God's people love one another the way God wants his people to love each other, you'll have to lock the doors to keep people out. Why? Because there are people in our country, there are people in our city, there are people in our families starving, starving for love. You'll have to lock the doors to keep people out. Let me ask you, church, is, is our faith in Christ growing, living by faith, not by sight? Is our love for Jesus, but also our love for one another, is it increasing as well? We love one another as a people of God. How are we growing as a church? Not just bodies, not just buildings, not just budgets, but is our faith, is our love, are those things increasing and growing? Why do we give thanks? Well, we give thanks for growth. We give thanks for love as well. I watched a, a little bit of news coverage yesterday. It was, it was so moving for me to see some of those hostages in Israel being released. And I watched the one video several different times of the little boy. He's taken out. All of a sudden, he sees down the hallway. He sees his father down the hallway. That little boy had been hostage for about 50 days. 
when he saw his father, he didn't just kind of casually, he, he ran to his father and he fell in the arms of his dad and they had an incredible embrace. Why? Because the father loved his son and the son loved his father. Church, I encourage you, may we have a heavenly father who wants us to run to him and embrace him because he is madly in love with you and me. He loves us. He loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son who lived a sinless, perfect life, died a horrific death on a cross, buried in a tomb, but the third day, that tomb is empty. Then it's empty today. It will always be empty because Jesus Christ is alive. And as, as Chris and I were praying this morning, we just, you realize when Jesus came the first time in Bethlehem, very few people in Bethlehem even knew that he came. But understand, when he comes the second time, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord when he comes again. So why do we give thanks when and why? And number three is give thanks where? Where do we give thanks? We often ask a lot of where questions. Is there, where's my key fob? Can't find the thing. Need to get go somewhere. I can't find it. You know, where is a safe place? That's a major question in our day. Where is a safe place? I pray the local church, this church, our church, is always a safe place for anyone who walks through these doors, that we take safety and security seriously in this church. But also, where is God at work at? So where, where do you give thanks? And let me give you a couple of words here. Number one, churches. He says, therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God. And then he goes into why? Because of your steadfastness, your faith, and all your persecutions, the afflictions you're enduring. What's Paul doing in other churches? He's talking about the church at Thessalonica. Let me, let me give you a word, and I want to thank God for them. Two weeks ago, I was at the Tennessee Baptist Convention. And when you're walking in hallways or in meeting rooms, and you're always having conversations about the church, church, I just want to compliment you. I had so many conversations with people when I was at the Tennessee Baptist Convention, and I thank God for First Baptist Church Clarksville. I thank very for who you are. I thank you for your obedience. I thank you that you're living by faith, not by sight. I thank the Lord that you love one another. I thank you that you're willing to follow leadership. I just thank God among other believers, other pastors, other churches. I thank God for you. Number two is culture. Paul goes on to say, he said, I thank God in the churches for your steadfastness, but also where do we do this at? We do this around other people. I want to encourage you as a church to make sure that you're very guarded if you want to criticize or speak negative words about the Lord's church. Because here's what I can tell you. Because if you're in the public setting somewhere, you're at a a barbershop or a salon somewhere or you're in a restaurant somewhere, uh, here's what I can tell you. People are listening to your conversations. And if you speak negatively about the Lord's church and about his people, other people are listening to that. How many of you have been in a conversation and somebody talks about a restaurant and says, well, I wouldn't go to that restaurant. You know, well, why? I thought it was supposed to be a good place. Well, I went there. The service was extremely slow. I like to never got our food. Terrible service. I wouldn't go that far because I ordered something on the menu and it was the worst meal I've ever had in my life. 
Yeah, I wouldn't go that soon because I walked in the restroom or I saw in the kitchen, it was the dirtiest place in our city. Did you see the review, the rating? that re- I wouldn't go to that restaurant. I mean, if somebody tells you about a restaurant and they say the food was horrible, the service was slow and the place was dirty, how many of you says, Valentine's, we're going to that restaurant. I'm going to make a reservation there. You're not going to go there. And if people are always criticizing, speaking negatively about the Lord's church, how many people are going to say, I can't wait to go there? Listen, let's be honest. We, we, we don't have to deny reality, but let's make sure we compliment the Lord's bride. In conversation with other people, we want to reach people with the gospel. We don't want to turn people off. The Lord Jesus gave his life for the church, and so we want to be thankful for the church and for the bride of Christ, his bride and for the Lord. Let me give you these four thoughts about the Lord's church. Number one, the church is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. Now again, there are some churches close their doors and turn off the lights and move on, but the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is here to stay. And many financial experts say if you want to buy a mutual fund, you look at the 10-year track record of that fund and you'll see a good investment. You'll just see it's ups and downs, but you're going to be able to see over 10 years how that mutual fund did. When I look at the Word of God, I look at 2,000 years of the church. When I look at the Word of God, I see a lot of external persecution. I see a lot of internal division. But guess what? The church is still functioning, giving glory to God literally around the world. That's why Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. His church is alive and well and it's here to stay. Number two, the church is for everyone. I'm thankful for parachurch ministries and They've got their place, and many of them are very age-specific. They're seeking to reach kids. They're seeking to reach students. They're seeking to reach college students. They're seeking to reach women. They're seeking to reach men. They've got all these focuses. But here's the good news about the church. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is for everyone. It doesn't matter your age. The church is for you. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. The church is for you. It doesn't matter your economic position. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is for you. It doesn't make any difference how many problems you've had or do have in life. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is for you. The church is for everyone. And so I love to see diversity in the fellowship of the church. Number three, the church is still relevant. Many people say the church is outdated, the church is irrelevant, the church is not necessary. That is not true. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I need you in my life. You need the teaching of God's word. You need the fellowship of God's people. We need to be on mission together as God's people. The church is still relevant. And then number four, the church is transforming lives. I mean, look around the world. Jesus is the one who changes lives, but he's using you and me as a church. If I asked you today, how is your life changing because of the ministry of the church? What would you say? Many of us would say our lives are radically changing because God is using his people, the fellowship of his church. Several years ago, we were in, when we were in Tallahassee, right up from our church facility was was a new shopping center. This whole area had been developed. And so in that shopping center area, we had a, a thing that would happen on Friday nights when Florida State played in town. On Saturday, it was called Northtown Get Down. And so as a church, we wanted to capitalize on that. So we went up there. and I mean, there'd be thousands of people who'd come into that area of town and they, they would be games and people that had booths. And so we set up a booth as well. And one night we had an old-fashioned cakewalk 
Now, there's some in here who don't even know what that is, it, it, but it's an old-fashioned cakewalk. We had some delicious-looking cakes. And so we, you stand on it, you, you get in this line, a circle, and you walk around, and all of a sudden it stops, and you're standing on a number, and if they call your number, then you win a cake, and you get to pick out a cake that you want. And so we've got all these people around there. They want to be involved in the cakewalk. And we had this 14-year-old boy who came up. And this 14-year-old boy didn't know what a cakewalk was. And so we told him, said, if you'll go stand on a number and we're going to walk around and then we're going to stop the music. And then if, you're, if your number's called, you get, you get a cake. You win a cake. And so sure as anything, he goes around and he stops on number 14. And all of a sudden, we call out number 14. And so we say, you're the winner. And here's what he said. Does that mean I get a slice of cake? And we said, no, that's not what it means. It means what? You get the whole cake. He couldn't get over getting the whole cake. Church, let me say to us this morning, why am I thankful for Jesus? Why am I thankful for the church? When you and I were born again, we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Did we get a slice of him or did we get all of him? I am thankful, church, that when you and I, whenever that was for you recently, years ago, when you turned from your sin, you gave your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You didn't get a slice of him. You got all of him. And he wants you to walk with him every day of your life. Thank Jesus that he has changed our lives and he has given us all of himself. So I'm thankful for the church. Pastor one day finished his sermon standing out at the exit and a lady came out and said, Pastor, I just want to thank you for a great message today. And he said, well, I appreciate it, but you don't have to thank me. You just need to thank Jesus. And she said, well, it wasn't that good of a sermon. And so I want to thank the Lord for you. Church, I want to thank God for you. Today in this invitation, we're going to be singing, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Folks, and he went to the cross and stretched out his arms and nails pierced his hands and feet, crown of thorns over his head, spear piercing his side, blood flowing from his body. He didn't just give us part of himself. He gave us all of himself. Everything. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. So I want to encourage you, if you're in this room or you're watching and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, turn from your sin, put your trust in him. What a great Sunday to do that. What a great moment if you're watching to do that, wherever you are. You need to follow Jesus and believers baptism like we witnessed today. Step out in obedience and follow Christ and say, Lord, you gave everything for me. You paid it all for me and I'm gonna give my life for you. You wanna join the fellowship of this church? What a great Sunday to do that. God's calling you into ministry and you wanna have convictions and draw some lines in the sand and say, Lord, I want my life to be used of you. What a great Sunday to surrender your life to him. But also I wanna ask you today in this invitation, church, be thankful for one another. Who is it in this worship center right now that you need to go to during this invitation and just to say, I want to thank God for you? Because when I thank God for you, I'm thanking the Lord for his church. Who do you need to write a letter to this week, a letter of encouragement and say, I would not be where I'm at in Christ if it wasn't for you? Thank somebody. How do you need to just come and pray in this invitation? 
Our staff's going to be here. Our prayer team's going to be here. How do you just need to let the Holy Spirit work in your life to say, I would not be where I'm at spiritually today if it wasn't for the Lord and his people. And I just need to say, thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving everything for us. Thank you for this wonderful hymn, Jesus paid it all. My Lord, in this invitation, I'm praying for people to make decisions, come to Jesus, and leave changed. Thank you for your church, Lord. And so we invite people to put their trust in Christ and to obey him today, and the glory will go to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.